0: Welcome to the first episode of Experiences with EVs podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Mr. Abdesh Kumar Jha. He is the Executive Director at Fortum Charge and Drive India. I got introduced to Fortum when I purchased my MG ZS EV. MG cars could charge freely on Fortum till the end of June 2022. In this conversation, I realized that Fortum is much more than just a charging company. We spoke about Fortum's existing businesses, their EV business, pain points of app based charging, and how Fortum is looking to solve those. We also delved a bit into the franchisee business model as a charge point operator and how the economics of a three wheeler versus two wheeler versus four wheeler charging work. Before we get to the show, let's take a quick commercial break. We breathe 11,000 litres of air every day. We prefer drinking clean water. But what about our air? Let the indoor air quality experts at Active Buildings make sure the air you breathe in your homes and offices is safe and healthy. Book an evaluation. Right now at www.activebuildings.io starting at INR 699 only. To know more, refer to the link in the show notes. Disclosure, I am the co-founder of Active Buildings. Welcome to Experiences with EVs, a podcast where we talk about everything related to electric vehicles in India. Please welcome your host, Priyans Murarka. Welcome to EXP with EVs podcast. Today we have with us Avdehji. He is the Executive Director at Fortum India, Charge and Drive India. So ji welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for doing this. Uh, thank you, Priyans. Yeah, so I'll begin with a quick introduction of Avdezji. So Abdesji is a graduate, is a a civil engineering graduate, right? Um, Yes. Yeah, he's a civil engineering graduate and I am a graduate and he has industry experience over 15 years now. So, I mean, uh, Abdesji, you have spent a lot of time in the industry. So why don't we start off with some of your prior work before you joined Fortum India? So can you give us a brief uh, introduction about that?
1: Okay. Thank you, Priyans. So just one small correction. So I have more than 30 years of experience now. So not 15 years, years of experience. And uh, let me take you through my industry uh, journey. So I started my professional journey from Steel Authority of India Limited way back in 1991. And then in 1993, I joined central government So Government of India Central Water Commission, which deals with the water resources, hydropower across the country. So I worked there as a class one officer and I spent almost 14 years there. Up to 2007, I was working with Government of India. And then I moved to the private sector. So from 2007 onwards, I'm working with the private sector. And so you can divide 15 years in the government and 15 years in the private. So in the private, I started with a small company called Dance Energy, D-A-N-S, and they were into the hydropower development in Sikkim. So I joined there as a vice president technical, uh, taking care of the entire technical aspect of the projects, the DPR, the investigations, the designing, you know, permissions, clearances, and land acquisitions, and everything. Then subsequently, I joined Hindustan Power Projects, which was affiliated to Mozambique. People know Mojabayar, more famously. So I worked in the Hindustan Power Project for six years, leading the hydropower development itself, the business development, the hydropower project development, and the associated with the thermal power projects as well. And then in 2014, I joined Fortum, the current company. And here I have gone through a different, I would say the division. I started with the hydro. Then I went to the solar operations and i was also responsible for the developing the sustainability aspect of the entire fourth business in india and from 2017 onwards i am working now for the charge and drive which is on the electric vehicle charging infrastructure this is something uh, which i have started you know i would say i accepted this as a challenge because at that point of time when we started in 2016 we started evaluating the indian market and there we found that you know, uh, there's a huge potential, but nobody is talking about that. You had some initial policy in place, but not much being talked about electric vehicle at that point of time, but it's a huge potential. So since we are operating in Nordic for last more than uh, six years by that time, so we thought that why can't we use that knowledge and do something for the Indian market as well. And that's how we decided that we'll start doing the infrastructure business here, because that would be the bottleneck, especially for the car segment to get adopted. You require a good, robust, ubiquitous charging infrastructure, which can cater to them. So that's how I started my journey in 2017. And then today,
0: you know, I'm with you talking about the same yeah that's that's such an inspirational journey sir 30 years 15 years with the government and 15 years in the private sector that's that's really aspirational i so so as an ev consumer okay we my first introduction to fortum has always been through their charging networks and for me because i'm an mg owner. For me, it was uh, even more enticing because I had uh, free energy till 30th June 2022. So I yeah. have charged multiple times on Fortum Network uh, to make use of that free energy. So, so can you briefly explain as to what Fortum does in India so that it is, as you mentioned, that it is not just a charging company. So if you can just briefly explain the different businesses that Fortum is in, so then we can focus on the EV charging infrastructure.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, you know, the good question because audience and everybody needs to understand who we are because we are coming from Finland and we are, uh, in India, we are a very small company. So obviously, people should know that which company we are representing. So uh, let me begin with some introduction about our parent. So Fortum is essentially a Finland-based company and majority of the share is owned by government of Finland. So close to 51% shares is owned by government of Finland. And we are close to 100-year-old company. And we are primarily an energy utility company. So you can consider a Fortum like NTPC. So we are into the generation of the electricity by different means. Primarily the CO2-free sources of energy. So let's say nuclear power is one. Uh, hydro is one of the major element in our generation productions we have the combined heat and power based on the biomass. And besides that, initially we had the distribution business also and the transmission business also, which we divested in 2014. And then subsequently we acquired another company called Uniper, which is a Germany-based company. And we acquired close to around 80% of the stakes at that point of time. And that company again is into the nuclear, hydro, and the gas trading. That's a, because in Europe, the gas is something which is very, very uh, required. And then besides that, as a Fortum, we are also the largest electricity retailers, right? In India, the electricity is sold by only distribution company. Whereas in Nordic country, the electricity can be sold by any uh, you know, entity. So Fortum is the largest utility or in terms of the electric retailers to the end consumers or the industry consumers. So that is something which we do there. Besides in Fortum, also we have the recycling business, which we call the circular economy. So we started with the recycling of the nuclear hazards. We recycle the other waste and we create the other municipal waste into the plastic, the recycled plastics. And recently for last four years, we have started doing the recycling of the lithium-ion battery also. So that's the ecosystem, uh, you know, back to, uh, I would say, in the parent. And this journey of the charging infrastructure business is, was started in 2011, when Nissan had started their LEAF uh, sale in Norway. They wanted for a partner who can set up the public charging infrastructure. And that's all, since we were into the generation, we were into the sale of electricity. For us, it was a natural, I would say, Expansion into this domain as well. When it comes back to India, we started our operations as a fortune in 2012 uh, with the acquisition of a small solar power plant, you know, five megawatt plant in Rajasthan. Subsequently, we developed our own uh, 10 megawatt solar plant and then we went on building 70 megawatt, 100 megawatt, and 250 megawatt size of plant. So, solar is one of the main business vertical in India. Then we have another business vertical, which is, we call it the bio2x. Right? So it means from any bio products, you can create anything, right? What we have started doing it, we have a joint venture with a government PSU called Numariga Refinery Limited, which was earlier the subsidiary of BPCL. Now it is a subsidiary of EIL and the Oil India Limited and the government of Assam. So what we do there, we are Setting up a manufacturing plant for manufacturing the bioethanol. You might be aware that the government has come out with a national biofuel Correct. policy. Yeah. yeah, they want this to be blended with the petrol. Correct. So that is the bioethanol, which we are manufacturing there. We'll be manufacturing, we are setting up a manufacturing plant. And this is based out of bamboo because Northeastern States has huge resources of the bamboo. Correct. So it's based out of bamboo and it's a 2G technology. So it's not just the ethanol, but then other materials also is being developed. So efficiency is close to around 80, 85% compared to the 1G, uh, which where the efficiency is again 40% or 35%. So that's the another uh, business vertical we have. And this business vertical has a potential that it can replace the cotton with the fabric, which we can create out of this rice straw or the wheat straw, And, And you know, you come from Maharashtra that Cotton requires huge amount of Mm -hmm. water. Yeah, right. So there we want to uh, make it more sustainable by using the rice straw, which in India gets to different use, particularly the burning and all. Correct. So you can solve two problems. At the one end, you are replacing the water, extensive water use. Second, you are solving this problem of the rice burning, rice straw burning, and all. So that has a potential to develop the fabric. And then just for your reference, our such fabric made out of these uh, material was displayed in the Vancouver fashion show, right? So an energy company developing a, you know, something uh, and, and then uh, exhibited in the fashion show. it's very interesting uh, journey. So that's what our vision is that we should uh, be able to solve uh, this problem. And the third business vertical is the EV charging, where we, uh, you know, we will discuss in more details. These are the three business verticals
0: here. Yeah, Priya. Yeah, that's that's really great to hear, and I mean, especially, uh, I mean, there are so many applications out of, you know, using bio as fuel, like you know, and I doubt there are many companies in India doing that, but that's really great that Fordham has taken a lead in doing this. I regarding your solar, so uh, a solar business. I had read a couple of. Press releases wherein you know congratulations on setting up like around 800 megawatts of uh, building capacity, 200 uh, in Gujarat and 600 in Rajasthan, I think. So congratulations on that. Yeah. So I am just curious to understand how does that work? Do you uh, set up on your own? Do you have a local partner that you work with, or is the manufacturing taken care of by Fortum, or is Fortum just focused on producing the energy and then supplying it to the government? So how does that work? absolutely so so essentially we are an independent power producer?
1: So we are not the manufacturer of the module, we are not the EPC company, we are independent power producers who set up the, who makes the investment into setting up the power plant and whatever power is produced that is sold on the long-term PPA to the different distribution companies or companies like Seki or NTPC so that's the business we are in we are not into the manufacturing at all what we do we have we source the module on our own which we issue to the epc contractor and we have a epc contractor so epc contractor undertakes the entire installation activities and module we purchase and we supply to them so this is how we uh, operate into the solar
0: understood understood that's that's really great with that let's focus let's move our attention to the ev business so first and foremost like do you do you drive an ev or if so and which one yeah so i
1: drive uh, not in the personal capacity i don't own the ev but i have uh you know in in our official capacity we have two evs oh, one right. is zs and one is the tata nexon correct so these are EVs, which I'm driving most of the time, especially for all the official meetings and everything. And in my personal you know, uh, city drive also, I use the EV. So I encourage my all employees to use as much as possible on the EV so that we need to be demonstrating to the consumer that we are confident of driving the EV. And there is no need to worry on the charging infrastructure. So I mean, today, Even in Delhi, we have a very small setup of the infrastructure, but then we have not had any uh, problem in getting the EV charged. Though, despite the fact that we have not set up the AC charging anywhere, either at home or at uh, this, we are completely relying on the public charging. It's working perfectly fine.
0: Correct. That's, That's really great. And it's great to see that companies are taking the lead in ensuring that their employees travel by EVs. Uh, so coming to the Fortum infrastructure, right? So I have used, as I mentioned earlier, I've used the Fortum app quite a few times. And one of the great things about the app is that I don't need to have a wallet. I can just pay directly, as in like you charge me with on a per kilowatt hour basis. So that is really great. I don't need to maintain a wallet balance. So that, I mean, in my post, I had mentioned that, you know, how maintaining wallet balances in different apps becomes tiresome and cumbersome for the user. So kudos on that. And uh, speaking about the infrastructure, right? So I have observed that Fortum usually has charging networks that are mostly concentrated at either an MG dealership or an Audi dealership. And uh, you know it's mostly focused in cities. So I was wondering whether Fortum has any plans to start setting up charging infrastructure along the highways. And if so, how are you going about it? And if you can just brief us a bit about that. Sure.
1: I will address that one, but before that, let me share with you our learnings in terms of the pricing, in terms of, when I say pricing, not in terms of the quantum of the price, but in terms of how do we collect the payment. So this post-paid method, which you 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 have just explained, uh, this we got it from the Europe, right? And we felt that this is something which is very, very useful because, I mean, the customer don't have to worry on that whether my wallet has a money or not and you are able to charge it. Uh, But what we have observed that it also has a pitfalls. The pitfalls, because this is something which is a post right? And since it's unmanned stations, unlike Europe, where the regulations allows that during 24 hours in one point of time, you can demand the entire money to be taken from the pre-registered credit card or debit card. In India, the regulation says that you have a two-factor authentication. So essentially, you are on the mercy of the EV user that they might decide to make the payment immediately after the transactions or they may decide that, fine, whenever I'll come back, at that point of time, I will do it. So there is a potential of your receivables becoming larger and larger. Because if the people do not come to your charging stations and they decide not to use the discretions that, fine, I will you know, clear it as a, as a uh, good customer, then your money gets stuck, right? Sure. So, so that is the potential uh, pitfall of the post-paid. So we are, we are working on something which can help the customers. And we know on the wallet side, the problem, the pain point is that you have to always maintain that wallet and you cannot use that wallet anywhere else except for the charging stations. Your money practically gets blocked. So just to give you an uh, insight, and, and this is a good forum where the rest of the people can also understand that what kind of products we are talking about. So we are working on, through the NPCI mechanism, we are working on a, you know, a prepaid card, right? That a prepaid card, but those prepaid card would be something which would be open loop in the sense that those prepaid card will be rupee based and you can use those prepaid card anywhere. So you don't have to use those rupee card only at the Fortum charging stations. So imagine that if you have you have loaded 10,000 rupees in the rupee card
0: Correct.
1: and you want to I would say renew your Netflix subscriptions. You can use that rupee card for Netflix subscriptions. You want to use the prime video, you can use that one. You want to book your ticket on through any uh, platform, you can use that card. If you want to have uh, go to McDonald's and use it, you can use it. At the same time, you can also use it, our charging stations, or for that matter at any other charging stations. So these kind of flexibility we want to bring that will solve both the problems because that will give you a complete f- control on your money, how you want to use it. At the same time, it will also solve our problem that the receivables is not ballooning
0: up. Because that's also required from the business. That's, that's a genuine problem. I mean, I, when I charged at Fortum, I was like, okay, uh, I can use, I can pay this only when I'm back. But then that yeah. is not, that is not good business on my end. It's not good business on your end plus uh, having this single card that you know single rupee card that you can use everywhere that's yeah. that's really amazing uh, outside of that i also think upi is coming up with features wherein uh, you can have a limit set like for example a 50 kilowatt uh, battery like i mean you will not be charging more than 2000 rupees for a full charge rate, 1500 maximum right so you can have that Limit set. Um, there are there are certain ways. I think in the UPI 2.0 that is going to be released. Uh, there are certain uh, methods which you can use to get the UPI ID and set that amount, and then after that you can. I mean you can deduct how much of is the bill. So in this, uh, I mean you, you have hit the right chord. So Priyam,
1: what we are doing through this card that apart from solving these problems, which is win for both, we are also enabling that. When you are coming to our charging stations, you have the options. So we will prompt you to block certain amount, right? And that amount would be broadly in terms of what is the average consumptions over a period of you know one year uh, on the network has happened. So you so let's say you you are prompted to block for thousand rupees. Okay. Now that amount is blocked. That amount is not deducted from your card yet. And at the end of the transactions, if the bill amount is only 800 rupees, so only 800 rupees will be deducted and 200 rupees is instantly released to your wallet. So this is, because we, we observe that this is a problem which the customer is facing because they don't want their money, the 10,000 rupees or 2,000 rupees to be blocked only for XYZ chargers. So we, we, we give you that freedom so that and we also get assured that yes we get the money there when the transaction is happening so we we thought of this proposition and second feature which we want to bring is also where you don't want to become our member you know I, and i am being very forthright because i see that's the ultimate interoperability where i don't have to download you know anybody's mobile application because currently the mobile application is required for authorizations and making the payment, right? I'm, I'm thinking a scenario and where we're coming with a product, it will come you know, maybe in a, a few months that you go to our charging stations, you want charging of 500 rupees, fair enough. You go scan the QR code and we will allow you to do the charging and the payment will get deducted from the UPI or NEFT or, you know, whatever mode you choose. So that's the kind of product we are working on and that will be coming up in the next couple of months.
0: That's really great. I mean, keeping keeping the EV consumer at the forefront is really heartening to see that companies like yourselves are doing that. So let's get back to the other question wherein, you know, uh, as I was mentioning that chargers are focused in the cities. And I had actually read a few social media posts wherein you were now inviting franchisees to start setting up charging infrastructure along the highway. So if you can just uh, give us some more details about that, that would be great. So you would appreciate uh, Priyans that initially
1: when we started, the EV ecosystem was just beginning. The vehicles which we had in the market was having 120 kilometer range, 130 kilometer range. So obviously that was not good enough to motivate a user to drive along the highways, right? So we thought that initially the city is something which requires a good amount of visibility of the charging station, because as a consumer, if you see, you'll be encouraged to buy the EV. Now the EV are coming, which has a 250 kilometer range, 300 kilometer range, 500 kilometer range. Now it's a good product which allows, which motivates the people to go to the highways. So now it's the right time when the highway chargers should come up. And that's how now we have started expanding on the highways as well. So as we speak, uh, we have a couple of charging points charged on the Delhi Merit Highway or Delhi-Haridwar Hyderabad uh, Haridwar Highway uh, on the CCS side, right? On the DC-001, we already have electrified the Hyderabad-Bijawara Highway, which okay. the DC-001. Right. We have six uh, chargers located along the entire uh, around 150 or 200-kilometre highways. But on the CCS side, we have started with Delhi Haridwar highways. We have a plan to bring around 32 charging points along that highway. And then 32 is good enough network, I would say, you know, to begin with at least for the next couple of years. Yes. Then we have energized a couple of chargers along the Delhi Jaipur. And our plan is to electrify from Delhi to Mumbai, via Jaipur, Ajmer, Udaipur, Baroda, Surat, Ahmedabad. You know that's the route which we are planning, and we are also now expanding into the we are uh, uh, Mumbai-Pune Expressway. We are now in the we have one chargers already uh, commissioned in Bangalore-Hyderabad Highway. And we have a plan to expand to around 20 charging points in next maybe 12 months along the Bangalore-Hyderabad highway because that's close to around 600 kilometers. It requires at a reasonable frequency you know, where the people can naturally break uh, or take a break and then they can charge their vehicles. Then bangalore mysuru is in our plan as well. So I think these are the initial thoughts. So 13 highways we have planned that by 2023 we would cover 13 highways. Obviously, Delhi chandigarh is another highway, which we have now in our uh, Radar where we will be setting up the charging infrastructure.
0: Correct. That that is really that is really amazing to see that you know we have uh we have companies who are thinking in terms of electrifying highways because what happens is that I have done quite a few road trips and they're in uh on, on certain road trips, like for example, like you were talking about Bombay Delhi, right? So, in Bombay, Delhi, the biggest pain point right now for consumers is the charging point between Gandhinagar Nagar and Udaipur because it's it's an incline and you have just like a 250-kilometer stretch and you have no high, no charges there, and that is one of the biggest pain points. But uh, the other highways also that you're talking about, it is really it is really good to see that okay, you know, you're thinking in terms of that and that is uh, really great. What I want to understand is that so. Is this going to be under the franchisee model or is portal doing it on its own? And how does that business model really work? So So essentially uh, Priyans India is such a vast country
1: that we believe it's it's probably not possible for one operator to cover the entire landscape of the country. So that's where we feel charging infrastructure needs to be democratized and where you can have one person doing the two chargers, chargers, another person doing the five chargers. So we want to empower the all entrepreneurs, individual entrepreneurs, who might not having the access to the huge capital, but they have a small capital, they have a piece of land, and they want to have enter into a business which is futuristic, which might not give them money for next two, three years, but that will be for generations to come a constant source of a robust income, right? So that's the thought process behind uh, starting this franchise business model. And obviously with the city or the highway, it will be a mix of both. Uh, I mean, I, I can't share with you as on, as of now that what will be the percentage of these two, but you will find a mix of these two, because we have to also uh, take care of the franchise interest as well. So it will be mix of those because initially they might have some hesitations. So right. there we need to come forward and handhold them. And, and uh, so this will be a mix of these two.
0: That's, that's great. I mean, so if franchises like typically what I've seen is that uh, wherever there are EV chargers, they, I mean, typically say food courts on highways, right? You see a lot of footfall coming in because of that. Uh, even though the chargers may not be occupied all the time, but if there's a charger, then you have a certain category of people who will definitely be coming in at the food court or spending some time, so they spend their money there. So that is definitely an incentive for the franchisees to uh, look at setting up a charging infrastructure. Obviously, uh, there is there is some initial capex that will be obviously be involved, but if in any way companies like yours, if they can help the franchisees, then it just helps to bring out the charging infrastructure faster. So that's that's really great.
1: Yeah, and 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 Priyan, just to share with you that we we are aware of, we are conscious of this because we are into this business. You know, we have been doing this business for last eleven years in Nordic country, in India itself, we are the f- fifth year running. We know that initial couple of years because the electric vehicle is expected to be become mainstream by 2025 in India uh, when the battery prices. Based on the PLI and other global events likely to fall down and making the EV cost at par with the ICE vehicle. Uh, till that point of time, you know, there is not much volume coming in because all the OEMs are selling their car with the home chargers, also, right? Obviously, the user will use these chargers only for the opportunity initially, you know, till the time it is confined to the niche segment or or the enthusiast like you who wants to drive and promote the electric and they are supplied with the home charging. So they have access to uh, the electricity at home and they'll be using as an opportunity. So that will be initial years where the business would be slightly less. And that's why we felt that we should handhold them. And that's where uh, in our franchise model, uh, we are giving them a minimum assured Income that even if you're you are not getting let's say you get zero transactions on in that particular year, at least you are assured of a minimum guaranteed income from our side for three years. Oh, wow. So this is yeah. So for three years we are hand holding them. That you know if you even you get shortfall beyond that amount we compensate to you. So this is something which uh, I think uh, we are aware of this fact that the infrastructure will be lesser used for next two, three years. And from 25 onwards, it will be all over the, you know, uh, infrastructure will be required by every EV user because uh, you know, as per government data, 70% of the urban population, car owner, doesn't have access to the private garage. Correct. So when, once they start buying car, yeah. where would they charge? so they will be requiring a public charging stations
0: right
1: mm-hmm. and that's where the business will start going into volumes and that where you'll start making money
0: correct so uh, yeah that's great so i mean we've spoken quite a bit about four wheeler charging right so and uh, that has initially been my focus but i'm really curious to understand how is ee001 charging happening in india like you know uh, i I know that Fortum has many DC001 charges also, and uh, like in terms of let's say you know um, just estimated numbers like uh, two-wheeler versus three-wheeler charging and four-wheeler charging, which which is a bigger pie, and how how is Fortum going about uh, things in that direction? So if you can just shed some light on that.
1: Yeah, that, that's a very interesting question, Priyans, and then I would. I'd like to explain for the larger benefit of all the audience. Please do so, sir. And and you know, see, we need to understand from the two aspects. So one can view from the number of vehicle itself. So obviously, in terms of number of vehicles, two-wheelers, auto smart, any other segment, 80% sales happens on two-wheelers, and close to 13% happens for the four-wheeler car. Correct. So the ratio is almost close to six times so obviously at any point of time and the government is also promoting two-wheelers and three-wheelers uh, heavily so basically number of two-wheelers transactions will be very very large but for the business of the charge point operator what will be the you should also understand that the two-wheelers has two kilowatt hour of battery or a three kilowatt hour of battery and the vehicle which you drive, MG ZS, would be minimum forty to fifty, right? That would be the range. Of. So if you if you service one MG, if you your know. ticket size is close to forty units, Correct. And that too in a lesser time, exactly. right? Because the car requires very very fast charging, right? Because the battery size is quite big. Whereas in the wheeler, you have to service at least twenty two-wheelers full charged to match with the business volume of the one MG, right? So now here it is 20 times, vis-a-vis number is 13 versus 80% means six times. So I I see from that perspective, the car is three times larger in terms of the volume than the two-wheelers, right? That's one. The second is, as we speak today, See all the four wheelers has come out with the fast charging capabilities. In fact, there is a competition that how fast it can go. One C, two C, three C, because you, I mean, the car OEMs want to give exactly the similar experience as they are getting on the gasoline car. Maximum ten minutes they want to stay at any filling stations. So there is a potential that you'll be servicing more cars in a given period of time. Whereas on the two-wheelers as we speak today, most of the two-wheelers doesn't have that much of fast charging capabilities. Some have, but those are proprietary. They have a proprietary connector. There is no standardization on the two-wheelers as well. But still, it takes around one hour, one and a half hour to charge the full uh, capacity of the battery so the volume when we talk of the volume so there are two things one is the volume which i strongly believe that the car has six times more volume than the two-wheelers when we start talking about the battery size and the time required for two-wheelers to charge at a public place they would not stay for four hours and in four hours if they stay they they take only two units of electricity and since their operating cost has to be much lower how much ticket size you would get. So, I think the business volume lies in the four-wheeler. And what I also strongly believe that the four-wheeler is something which government is not promoting. Right? Government is not promoting. Government is not incentivizing on the demand side on the two-wheeler. So, whatever people are doing is out of their own component, own, own enthusiasm. Now, someone should support them empower them and that's where we believe that the four-wheeler car is segment which requires a robust charging network which will help supplement the activities the initiatives taken by enthusiasts like you so that you don't get stranded and you have a freedom to drive wherever you want to go that's my thought process on this
0: no that that totally makes sense because you know with two-wheelers three-wheelers you will see the scale But uh, like, as you put it very correctly, like servicing one MG is equivalent to servicing like 22 kilowatt or three kilowatt, you know, two wheelers. So uh, that that puts things in perspective. But still, I mean, for that, uh, the number of two wheelers and three wheelers in the market is probably a lot more than the four wheelers that we currently have. And it is also three wheelers are probably focused more on the... Uh, like your Amazon delivery agents, or you know, like in logistics industries, uh, which makes sense because they have a higher running. So setting setting up charging infrastructure for them in cities and on highways also is is a direction wherein I think the charging companies will be focusing on and where they're headed towards. Right. Uh, speaking of you know, like just just as a tangent question that I have, uh, you mentioned that you know what about say charging for big electric vehicles like buses you know there are there are various cities that are going for purchasing various kinds of electric buses and there is going to be a need for them to charge and uh, is Fortum doing something along those lines and if so if you can just uh, talk about that yeah that's a good question
1: and I'll answer that so coming to the three wheelers because you had mentioned about DC001 so as you know, since we started, we, our forte was four wheeler because in Nordic, the, there was a four wheeler primarily. There is no three wheelers or two wheelers uh, in the last number. We started with the, on our strength. Our strength was serving the four wheeler customer. And and at that point of time, only DC001 compliant car was there. So obviously, we had to set up those uh, DC001. Unfortunately, the DC001 compliant cars is no longer getting manufactured, right? Or maybe very small numbers, only for the fleet, and and, and particularly from one OEMs only. The another OEM is practically not manufacturing the dc one compliant car. So obviously, the utilization of the dc one already set up has come down. Now, but the good part is, the I must compliment and I must uh, you know uh, appreciate the efforts taken by some of the. OEMs from the three-wheelers who have started coming with a fast charging capability on their logistics segment, right, and they have decided to adopt the DC001 protocol, and that has a potential to give the second life to the installed DC001 chargers, because now they can be used by this segment. So, Obviously, there has been now a huge case, another huge case of the DC 001, and that's a good part of this electric mobility because it's evolving. And everybody is in the need of being most of the time on the road, especially the logistics side. So they will be coming for the fast charging and they will have to evolve you know, from the slow to the fast. And that's a good, I would say, uh, input or the support from the OEMs of the three-wheelers that they have decided to DC 001 and, it is uh, now the as stranded assets can be used for that. So that's that's to address your uh, logistic part. To answer this, uh, you know, the another uh, question uh, which you made on the large format vehicles, right? Particularly, we are talking about the bus as of now because we don't see large trucks coming in except for those uh, four wheeler LCVs. Uh, but the large trucks, they are not coming right now. On the buses, yes, so far. Uh, we were not into the bus charging in India, but now we have decided that we will start operating the bus charging as well. Because you know, this, this four, five years, we wanted to set up the ecosystem. We wanted to uh, help end the user or the consumers to get familiar with this one. And now since the buses is being promoted heavily, They require a robust charging infrastructure also, even though it will be captive consumptions, but it will be uh, required. So now we have decided that whatever knowledge we have, whatever expertise we have on the public charging, now we should translate that and help the bus operators get into assured charging infrastructure from our side. So now in,
0: in few months, you will see for them also coming into the bus charging business. That's that's great to hear that, sir. Circling back to the previous point where you were mentioning that certain three-wheelers have started uh, coming out with fast charging capacities, capabilities. Uh, is this where I think your partnership with uh, Log9 Mobility comes into play? There? And I think Log9 are my battery manufacturers. So how? just explain this to me. How does How is this working out? As in, uh, so, Fortum is a charging network, Log9 is a battery manufacturer, and then we have uh, a three-wheeler uh, companies, right? So, three-wheeler companies wherein we put in Log9 batteries and then Fortham allows them to charge on their network. How, how is that working? Out? So, yeah. So, so, as you would know that ultimately the charging
1: infrastructure has to connect with the vehicle, right? And the vehicle ultimately... Energy has to be passed on to the battery itself, right? Here I must put on record the appreciation for the log nine that when they come out with the fast charging capability battery, they posed faith on us that let's test this. Because one thing is that you claim in the laboratory, but then one other is that you test it. So they repose faith in us. And we started testing uh, through our network, and that's where we had certain agreement or certain partnership with the Lognan that wherever uh, their battery would be used, you know, it can be uh, they can use our network. But ultimately, it is the call of the vehicle owner or the fleet owner, right? Now, irrespective of whether any fleet is using the Lognan battery or they are using any XYZ battery, as long as their vehicle is fitted with a battery, which has a capability of getting charged at a faster rate and under the protocol of DC001 or CCS, our our station is agnostic, correct? They can use our network as well. So it it is like, you know, whether it's a Nexon or MZ or BMW or, you know mercedes they can use our ccs charging stations similarly our dc001 charging stations can be used by any logistic player that's that's uh, how uh, we have the arrangements
0: here yeah no i mean that totally makes sense right i mean the charging, the fleet operator has their own freedom as to where they want to go and if you have one of the bigger networks around then you know they will be more incentivized to go and charge on your networks and really kudos to log9 because if they are coming out with a technology that allows three-wheelers to be fast charged so then it helps the entire ecosystem right so absolutely that, yeah absolutely and this also you know uh, motivates
1: other battery manufacturers as well that they can come up with the fast charging capability which i i i know that couple of uh, startups have coming up with the, might be a technology different, but then they're coming up with a fast charging capability of battery. But we as a charge point operator, we are agnostic. Whether it is manufactured by Log9 or anybody else, our network is open to all. And as long as your vehicle supports charging, uh, fast charging capabilities at the DC001 or CCS, we are agnostic of the vehicle format.
0: Understood, understood, sir. Uh, I think I have uh, completed most of my questions. I have had uh, a great understanding of how Fortum is moving ahead uh, on their infrastructure plans. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and speaking with us and good luck to Fortum. Thank you, Priyans. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice talking to you and and I
1: must compliment you uh, for taking this initiative of having the Podcast and then sharing the knowledge of the industry with the general public because in the EV ecosystem, we require to create the awareness. There will be a lot of misinformation, there will be a lot of uh, knowledge gap. So it, it's a very good platform which you have started. I must compliment you for that. Thank you, sir. Good work so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share the episode with the people who you think may find it relevant. I have collected most of the links and put them in the show notes. Also, I'd be happy to hear feedback from you. You can send it to me on the email id mentioned in the blog post. Avdhesh is active on both twitter and linkedin. You can follow him on at yoursavdhesh on twitter and Avidesh Kumar Jha on LinkedIn. You can follow me on at exp with EVs on Twitter and Priyans Purarka on LinkedIn. This podcast was edited and produced by me. The music is by Amrit Kapoor, the voiceover by Seema Ramchandani, the transcription by Vidhi Rabadia and the banner by Sanika.